Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the race to the White His House. This is a bit of an emergency show because of so many things developing over the last week. We felt the need to get something in the bank and record it here. So I am your host, Brendan, joined by... Connie. As always, and we are here to talk about all the massive news on this, the day of Super Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. So I just wanted to get right into what we missed over the last week that we thought we weren't going to be able to cover until we felt we needed to cover it. Because if we don't do it now, it's going to be like a three-hour show. (laughs) And to be honest, we were just a little bit bored. And we're going to have a guest coming next week, so we might just not be able to get to some of these topics. So, mm-hmm. And we're going to have so many Super Tuesday results to get through coming out into next week. Plus, there's going to be Super Tuesday, and then on that Tuesday is Michigan's primary as well next week. So, go Michigan. Um, so, we got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, first of all, I wanted to talk about the South Carolina debates and how terrible, borderline unwatchable that debate was. What do you think? I thought it was entertaining. Really? Yeah. I just, okay, I felt the one before South Carolina, the Nevada debate was really good, right? Because they were jabs left and right, but you could understand. At this point, they were just yelling over each other and no one could get any points out or any good soundbite zingers because everyone's just yelling at each other. I like that. Well, it's, it's chaotic, but I don't know. I didn't hear anything of substance. There weren't any... Ones that made me go like, oh, like when Warren's drops on Bloomberg's. That was like at the Nevada debate. This one is just like someone tried to and they're like, hey, 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 and you can't, you can't get it out as much. So, yeah, I think it really made the Democratic Party look really good. Um, Uh, Not quite this time. Did you not sense the sarcasm? (laughs) It it reminded me a lot of the 2016 Republican ones where uh, Trump was harassing everyone, especially poor Jeb Bush, nonstop. So it was, it was wild, but it was it was very obvious that um, the primary target for a majority of them was Bernie, um, considering he's the front runner for probably the first like undisputed time in this election cycle. He is 100% the front runner going into this. And for you loyal listeners, you had no. That last week I predicted that Bernie was going to get attacked and that Biden was going to come out on top of this debate. And I believe, with my incredibly objective viewpoint, I was correct. But I think many other people agree with me. Uh, You know, I'd agree. I think this was Biden's night, too. Um, But I I, I would be remiss to say if I felt that Sanders had the chance to make it his night. Because you'd get... I I noticed a lot of the time, um, if you look at any of the footage back... It'll be like Bloomberg doesn't attack on Bernie. And typically you're giving allotted 25 seconds for the person that was name dropped to respond. But that didn't happen. Then they'd be like, Pete, what do you think about this? Amy, what do you think about this? So you get like four or five people piling on to this before Bernie would be given the chance to respond, which is, you know, it's less effective. You can't respond as effectively if you're not given the immediate um, gratification of immediate response. But that's just what the debates are going to be like when there's that many people on stage, which fortunately is coming to a close. Where I think we've, we're down to four people that will be on those stages on a regular basis. Well, it's just my, my, my issue with it is it wasn't like this before when there were even more people on stage, when you had Andrew on stage, when you had Tulsi on stage. You know, you're given the chance to respond to an attack. And I don't think that, well, yes, I think there's something to be said for like, um, since everyone's attacking Bernie, it would literally just be half the time Bernie responding. I think there's something to say for that, but I do felt like, in my opinion, I felt like it was kind of 
at least relatively unfair for him not to get the proper responding time if he's the front runner. I would say that that is more of the moderator's issue yes, and not the 100%. um the candidate's issue. No, yeah, it's it was 100% the moderator's because the moderate would almost like you know, I don't think it's a secret that MSNBC is not a fan of Bernie Sanders. I think that's pretty open at this point. Um so it's like when you have these people moderating and instead of offering you the floor, which is their job, they extend it to someone else to attack you again. It, it just, it comes off kind of petty to me um, as a relatively undecided voter at this point. Mm-hmm. It, it felt kind of petty to me. So um, for me, a high of the debate um, is when Bloomberg insisted that he won the last debate and that he did so much better than everyone else. I think that was supposed to be a joke. I think. I don't know. But it didn't get very many laughs, which was the problem. Well, he clearly had some people that were paid to be there by his campaign. Yeah. I, um. At least that's what my um conspiracy cap says, because literally every time he said something, people would be cheering. Yeah, and laughing um, at not very funny jokes Yeah, as so well. you'd think they would have laughed at giving that one a few chuckles. Um, the... The crowd, and again, we're not here to get super tinfoil hatty. I'm a, a relatively undecided voter. Connie is likely voting for an establishment candidate, which is fine. So it's not super difficult to suggest that, like, even then, the the audience seemed pretty skewed. I think both of us can agree on that. It was it was skewed very much towards Bloomberg and he, to a lesser extent Biden. Um, and it was it was just very disheartening for someone to watch. Who, who's pretty undecided to think like, oh, this is they're controlling crowd reactions like this is a wrestling show or something. And like you should be cheering this guy. Look at everyone else is cheering this guy. It makes you feel kind of polarized from the outside, you know? But I feel like a lot of people saw through that. And also like mm-hmm. what are you supposed to do as someone that's in the audience? Like, are you not supposed to cheer for your person? Like, yeah, I guess, but it should be, the ticket allotment should be at least relative to the poll standings, I think. And if Bernie Sanders is polling as many as he is as a front runner, right, at this point in time, Bernie Sanders is the front runner. I think his, the amount of crowd that should be in his favor should be relative to that of a front runner, not like nobody on his side is able to afford it because they're not wealthy donors. You know, I think that's pretty, you know bad <laughs> but well then i feel like bernie has to come out and say that yeah, and definitely. say that he should well the time has passed the time had come and gone um that you know you're gonna hear like yeah i noticed that there was a lot of um cheering in the crowd for a certain candidate too this is how they got into the crowd and you know i represent normal people like you and yeah. But then you're going to get the boo, boo. Well, I think he could have addressed it maybe not during the audience. Yeah, afterwards. Not after or before. Um, you know, that's something Trump did actually in 2016. If you if you can press the rewind button a little bit. Um, when Trump, you know, and deservedly so, he got booed for saying a pretty crappy thing to Jeff. Or Jeff, Jeb, excuse me. Uh, he said something about... I can't remember what it was, but it was something that made the audience boo to Jet uh, against him. And he said, oh, hear all those? Those are all the special interest donors. We needed tickets. We couldn't get them. The RNC had them all. Jeb had them all. And then the audience boos even louder. But he, you know what? Looking on this situation, a broken clock's twice, uh, right twice a day. So maybe that could have been it. Who knows? Um, so we did have those debates. I think on the over-under, Biden was pretty clear the winner and which is really surprising 
Well, not surprising as much as it is like relieving, I think, for him is the better word to say. Um, Joe, if Joe would have had the performance that he had in this debate throughout the entire process that he was campaigning, like if he had this kind of debate performance at the previous ones, I don't think he'd be in the situation that he's in, you know, losing to Bernie Sanders at this point in time. I think if he would have been as strong as he was on this night, because he was confident, he was... He had good one-liners. He was respectful of the rules, which in this debate won him some brownie points with the, with people, I think. I loved when he was respectful of the rules. <laughs> you know, and that's good. Uh, you know, I think when when the debate is as annoying as this one was, where people just kept cutting off and you can't listen to anything because nobody's getting any points across, the, the civility candidate uh, made a lot of sense to a lot of people, and they made a lot of people feel better about what's going on in this debate. So I think... On almost all fronts, Joe was pretty clear the front runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warren tried to do similar attacks to Bloomberg as she did last time, but unfortunately the audience was not on her side this time, so they didn't go over nearly as well. well I think a lot of people, it's like, oh, I've seen this show before. Yeah. I get it. she came out the gate swinging at Bloomberg again. And mm-hmm. less effective than it was the first time. So um, I think she kind of tried to capitalize because she's seen a lot of success, especially donation-wise, after that last debate. Because if mm-hmm. you recall correctly, we all said on this podcast, Liz was the clear winner of that debate. There was no doubt about it. She crushed everybody in that debate, except maybe Bernie stood a decent chance. Uh, and I think Tom Steyer was a pretty good standout in that debate, too, if I remember right. But, um, no, Tom Steyer wasn't even in that one. Excuse me. I was thinking of the New Hampshire one. No. Um, but, no, she clearly won that debate. So... She's trying to capitalize on what was successful for her donations-wise and for everything else-wise. She did really, really well by dunking on Bloomberg. So she tried to do it again, but this time the audience was pretty well skewed against her. And actually, I believe they booed her, which is which, very weird. When we have our tinfoil hats on again, maybe that was because some of the audience was bought yeah, to be there. Maybe they were uh, encouraged to boo. Um, Who knows? But also... It would be dumb of Bloomberg to not prepare for that to happen again. Oh, yeah. So. 100%. Um, Bloomberg obviously did a better time this performance. I'll say that. He did much better than he did the first time. The first time, it was just, he was falling apart on that stage. So, um, you know, he obviously prepped a little better this time, and he had a passable performance. I still wouldn't say it was a winning performance by any means, even with the skewed audience. Mm-hmm. Um still came off very boring and uh, i will say this liz had a really good point in that debate one of the dunks against bloomberg anyways when she said the reason you will not win is because democratic voters do not trust you you know what i think that's a pretty compelling Mm -hmm. point trust goes a long way in this party because i think on the overall the democratic party is pretty picky about who they want their nominee to be and if you are coming out of the gate as deemed and branded untrustworthy, like Michael Bloomberg has and with baggage that he has, it's a lot more difficult for voters to get behind them. So um, I think that was a really excellent point by her. I think uh, Klobuchar and Pete had both pretty forgettable performances all around. Mm-hmm. They didn't clash with each other like they did the first time. And uh, a lot of Amy's jokes didn't come off like they normally come off good. Um, she honestly, I think Amy's normally pretty funny. I think she's got a good sense of humor. Yeah, very, very mom humor. But um, normally it lands all right. 
this night, I just kind of felt like it was annoying more than anything, which, you know, it's kind of discouraging because I, I liked Amy Klobuchar. I didn't see too many issues with her. Um, Pete was also, in my opinion, pretty annoying with how often he was cutting off Bernie and the debate. He was one of the main interrupters throughout most of it who wouldn't, like, wait their turn, would just felt the need to, like, pop in. And obviously he felt he needed to do that with how his poll numbers were in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. He probably felt like he needed moments and needed clarification on some issues. So he did that, which is fine. Both pretty forgettable performances all around. Um, but this was Joe's debate, not a doubt. And I think it contributed pretty good to how things went in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the Clyburn endorsement did a lot for Joe Biden. I think with mm-hmm. the African American community solidifying that kind of trust that you can have in Joe um, for those voters. So, uh, leading into that, I'm going to pull up the results here for our predictions on the South Carolina primary. So, let me just pull up the exact numbers here for you guys. I should have had them pulled up already. I apologize. Okay. So, in first place, pulling in 29 delegates with 48.4% of the vote is Joseph Biden. In second place, Bernie Sanders with 15 delegates at 19.9%. Tom Steyer pulling in third at 113 with no delegates. Pete Buttigieg at 8.2% and no delegates. And Elizabeth Warren at 7.1 no delegates. Amy 3.2, Tulsi 1.3 and Andrew Yang with 1045 votes despite pulling out of the race. And not just pulling out of the race, he pulled out a while ago. Yeah, still pulled over 1000 votes. The dedication of the Yang gang remains very strong. So good for you. Um so out of the 54 delegates, a uh, majority of them went to Joe uh and 15 of them went to Bernie. Nobody else gets any. So On our results, I got two correct. Connie got three, which puts us at a total tie. We are now tied four to four in predictions. So I predicted that Biden and Bernie would get first and second. Uh, I predicted that Warren would get third. I was very off. I predicted that Steyer would get fourth. I was somewhat off. And Mm -hmm. Pete's to get five. He got fourth. So I got the first two correct. Uh, None of the others. Connie got the first two correct as well. And Buttigieg in fourth place was correct. She got Steyer and Warren switched around. So good for you. Very good game. Um, Going a little bit more into result stuff, me and Connie adjusted all of our results accordingly because in a little bit of news, we had three dropouts by the time we recorded the last show. Uh, Tom Steyer dropped out after the South Carolina primary, only getting third place with no delegates. He invested almost all of his resources in Nevada and South Carolina, and he wasn't able to go very far. However, shout out to Mr. Steyer for dancing. Uh, he danced to, uh, let me get the song name correct. Um, I thought it was the, to Back That Ass Up. Yeah, it was Back That Thang Up, I'm pretty sure is what it was. But shout out to Juvenile for uh, giving Tom Steyer his first ever remarkable moment. <laughs> That was not remarkable for me. That was weird. (laughs) You know what? The man's having fun. That's all I can say. Good for you, Tom. And then he dropped out. And then he dropped out, so he's no longer having as much fun. But in his concession speech, he said, this has been the most fun I've ever had, which was nice. That's good. So good for you, Tom. I'm glad that that this election was a way for you to get out of the house. (laughs) Um, Got to see so much. That was a Will Ferrell joke I stole. So much of America. Yeah. 
Um, that's probably my favorite SNL um, debate thing where Will Ferrell was Tom Steyer. And he's like, why am I running for president? Well, because it's fun. And it gets me out of the house. <laughs> so, uh, good for you, Tom. Uh, best of luck in future. You may find a place in the cabinet. I hope you do. You clearly stood up for environmental and racial injustices, um, which was your primary platform. So, Please proud of you, buddy. Please get different ties. Please change your tie every once in a while. Helped you stand out for the first debate. But when the um, pattern of your tie is the most interesting thing about your platform for a little while, I eh, might want to rethink it. So, yeah. Uh, Tom Steyer. R.I.P. Next on the R.I.P. Grim Reaper list is Pete Buttigieg, who I was actually pretty surprised dropped out this early because I thought he was going to have a pretty good night on Super Tuesday. Yeah, I thought that we would at least see Klobuchar and Mayor Pete until um, Super Tuesday and that they might drop out the week afterwards. I never would have thought that we would be in a world where they are not here and Tulsi Gabbard is still here. Uh, Tulsi Mania is uh, running wild here. So Pete dropped out because he wanted to coalesce. I'm pretty sure he's, he did not see a path going forward for his candidacy. And you know what? I applaud that because we don't, in my opinion, I don't like pointless candidates clogging up the system, taking votes from other ones who are actual potential going to um, take it. But I thought out of them, Pete was probably the one who I did not expect to drop because he was still... Um, before South Carolina, at least, was second place in terms of delegates. He tied Bernie Sanders in Iowa, and he barely lost in New Hampshire. Like, Pete was building a lot of momentum, but he just couldn't capture that minority threshold. Same with Amy Klobuchar. They do all right with white voters, but when it came to the rest of them, they just couldn't get like bridge that gap. So something that Biden and Bernie, on the other hand, have been able to do. Uh, so both of them dropped out. Uh, Amy endorsed Joe Biden. I don't know if Pete did. Yes, he did. He did officially? I believe so. Okay. Also, Beto O'Rourke has endorsed Biden, which... Really? Yes. Beto was kind of an outsider, I thought, which is interesting. Um, huh. Well, a lot of endorsements going to Joe Biden before Super Tuesday. Which is probably going to be really... He's from Texas, correct? Yes, that's going to be a big driving force in Texas. It seems that... Um, a lot of Democrats are really trying to not get Bernie elected. So a lot of them, at least in the Biden camp, um, or, or get Bloomberg elected also. Let's keep that in mind, too. But a lot of them seem to be very much of the opinion that before you can stop Trump, you need to stop Bernie first. It's like uh, level one boss, level two boss, level three. You got to you got to get around him first. So me and Connie, because of this, we changed our results around for all of these. Um, on next week's show, after Super Tuesday, we're going to be going through the results because it's happening later tonight. I don't want to just pointlessly name off all of these predictions that you probably don't care about right now. We already did that last week. There are too many things. Except I do want to mention last week we forgot to enter in American Samoa predictions. And Vermont. Uh, yeah, we didn't write down Vermont. I don't know if we said it. We might have said it. We might have said it. It might have just been too much of like a... You know, it's like name, 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 name. Yeah, it's, so if you're a, a loyal lot, fan, yeah. please slide into Cardinal Radio DMs and let us know. Yeah. So, um, just so you know, American Samoa, I picked Bernie Biden Bloomberg. Connie picked Bernie Bloomberg Biden. Because apparently the chief of American Samoa has endorsed Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> Which uh, I didn't know they still had one. It's probably like a monarchy like symbol thing more than anything. I can't imagine 
American Samoans, please roast Brendan. Yeah, Roman Reigns, please <laughs> come to our feed. Uh, so we have all that done. Um, it's going to be a fun one tonight. Uh, who do you think the overall winner tonight's going to be, Connie? It's really hard to say without being, um, without showing bias. Uh, um, I think that it, I think that it could be really close between Biden and Bernie. I think that, um, Biden does better in the South than Bernie does. Um, and a lot of people... Um, suspect that Bernie, well, Florida's not even in this one, never mind. Nope. But, like, um, Texas is. So it's interesting. I think that um, that could be crucial. Um, I, it's really hard to say. I feel like it's going to be a toss-up between Bernie and Biden, and I kind of feel like Elizabeth and Bloomberg are going to be kind of um, tossed to the side a little bit. Do you think Bloomberg's being in this race is hurting Joe. Do you think he's taking votes away from Joe? Anyone is taking... I don't... I, well, I don't know. they're in the same moderate camp, is why I say that. So, um, people that would have voted for Joe are now voting for Michael Bloomberg because they really love his advertisements, for example. I don't know if you're being sarcastic. No, I'm being or, serious. Um, a lot of people go by ads because that's all the information... Because a lot of people won't look for the information themselves. They'll look for it to be fed to them. And when that's all you see is Bloomberg ads. That's where you go with it, you know. But I also feel like there's a lot of people who aren't buying what he's selling. Agreed. Agreed. I just, um, I feel that Warren is doing to Bernie what Bloomberg is doing to Biden. Siphoning off votes from their more lane. Um, because if you look at Warren's support, typically the, um the number one person they would vote for if they can't vote for Warren is Bernie. With Biden, um, I believe it's actually Bernie also, which is interesting. Bernie's a lot of people's second choice. So, um, But yeah, because I feel like a lot of people don't like Bloomberg, so why would he be their yeah, second choice? Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people don't think Warren can win at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So, But we're down to four, which is a lot better than the yeah, seven or eight we were Yeah, I think it's we a lot at. of people saying like, oh, well, if Biden... Like, like if we're in a scenario where Biden doesn't win, then why is Elizabeth Warren still there? Right. Well, okay. So here's the big thing that Super Tuesday has. The two biggest states Mm -hmm. population-wise in this country. California and Texas are both on Super Tuesday. If Bernie Sanders can manage to win both of those, I think it's game over. At least by a decent margin. I kind of feel like those, um, that Beto endorsement, it could be really helpful for Biden because Beto was, he was pretty close to beating Ted Cruz, wasn't he? Yes, he, closer than anyone else had been in a long time. But Texas is flipping blue over mm-hmm. time. It's getting bluer and bluer. There's a potential that Texas could go blue in this election, which would be absolutely devastating for Republicans. Um, and obviously, I don't think that's going to happen for another. 12 years or so, but it is slowly moving in that direction because a lot of the Hispanic vote is starting to show up. And who does the best with Hispanic vote? Well, that's Bernie Sanders by a large margin. Do you think that his comments about Cuba are going to be a little bit detrimental to that? I feel like in Texas it might not be. No, not in Texas, but in Florida, yes. Because in... I apologize for asking a question and then answering it myself. <laughs> 
For but. Texas, no. I don't think it'll be as much of a problem because a lot of that's from Mexico um, mm-hmm. and other Latin American countries that aren't nearly as affected in the same way that Cuba was. Um, but in Florida, I specifically remember in 2016, the same exact thing, same exact issue was brought up before the Florida primary, right? Or caucus or whatever they have there. Um and they showed a video clip of Bernie talking good about Castro. Um, and then the next day was the Florida primary or caucus, and he got beat by like 10% when it was supposed to be neck and neck. Mm-hmm. So um, that was during a lot of momentum when Bernie had won Michigan just recently. So Florida's a big get too. Um, I think it might hurt his numbers there. But uh, in Texas, I think he'll be fine because – the one thing that Bernie has this election that he did not have last is a large Hispanic base. He has that now, like pretty mm-hmm. decent size. So um, we'll see if how that develops. If he can win Texas and California, I don't see how Bernie doesn't win this whole thing. I, I just don't think he will. I think that he might win California. I don't think he is going to win Texas. I believe Biden is in Texas right now. I could be wrong. Well, Texas is a weird place to campaign because it's so large, right? It's not like New Hampshire or like Iowa where you can just go around the whole state and it's easy. Yeah. Uh, Texas, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles to cover and you ain't going to be able to get through it. Well, Texas is the size of a few states combined. Yeah. So you cannot campaign that entire state like you can campaign in New Hampshire or Vermont or Iowa. So, um, but I feel that Biden feels that he needs to win Texas. And I don't I don't see a path forward for any candidate if Bernie gets both of those states. I think he's got a good shot at it. I don't think mm-hmm. there's any doubt that he's not winning California, in my opinion. I think California's a lock for Bernie. Most polls have him at plus 16, plus 18. Uh, it seems pretty well a lock there. But Texas, that's a bit more of a toss-up. Bernie's won a couple. Biden's won a couple polls. We'll see where it goes. Um, so that's where that is. For Super Tuesday in general, though, it's going to be a tough one. I think it's going to be split pretty evenly, but I think Sanders comes out as a net winner in this contest, and largely, in my opinion, because of Bloomberg. I think Bloomberg's going to take a lot more votes off of Biden than Warren's going to take off of Bernie, because I think a lot of Warren supporters at this point are realizing that her viability's an issue now. You know, after not, like... How many delegates does she have? Like nine at this point? She doesn't have a ton. Um, so when you see that and you see how many, how much momentum Sanders building, if you're a progressive, I, I feel that a lot of them are starting to move over towards Bernie way if it's their state. Um, let me pull up a delegate counter just to be sure. Um, and I could be wrong on this one, but I'm pretty sure at the convention, people that have earned delegates can give them to other candidates, correct? You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> so I think that's how it goes. So um, Pete and uh, Amy would give their delegates likely to Joe Biden. So um, so we're really, realistically, we're down to a four-man race. Five if you count Tulsi, um, which I don't <laughs> at this point. I, I was actually Googling while you were talking about why Tulsi is still in the um, in the running. And why would that be? Um, there, well, again, I don't want to get too conspiracy, too conspiratical. Um when Andrew Yang was, he was CNN commentating after the debates, I believe. Um, I believe he was live tweeting the debates, and then he was also on CNN afterwards talking about them. Yeah. Um, 
and Anderson Cooper was well and him were talking about um why she might still be there and Tulsi is not running for Congress again she's done with that so it's not like she has to drop out and take care of any of that um she's just bored no (laughs) I and then Andrew uh, no sorry Anderson Cooper was Anderson Cooper Anderson Cooper was speculating if she's looking for some sort of political commentating position on, like, Fox or something. Oof. Which, it would be interesting. I feel like she has to have a reason to stay in the race. Well, I mean, I don't know what it is at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing. They only offer you the spot once you're done campaigning, I think. Yeah. Like, they like they waited for Andrew to drop out to offer him the spot mm-hmm. at CNN. So what good does campaigning continuing to do? You're just... Frankly, you're wasting your money. <laughs> I hate to say it, but she just is. You're not going to do anything with 1% of the vote. You can't even get a delegate unless you times the numbers you have by 15. And that's just not happening. I hate to say it, but it's not. It'll just be interesting to see what happens to her in like six months from now, like what she's doing. Well, suing Hillary Clinton is what she's currently doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't even... I'm not one of those people that are way against Tulsi. I think she's got some interesting ideas. Um, She's not my candidate of choice. But frankly, her not dropping out is just coming off as petty. (laughs) To me, anyways. I don't get it. Whatever. Her money to waste, not mine. Um, So we have that. And with that, we have Super Tuesday coming on tonight. There is going to be a lot of coverage on all the major news networks. I'm going to read a quick ad to you guys right now. And we will get to some final words. So, the Cure Carnival is the relay for life of SVSU and Saginaw County. If you are passionate about leadership, your community, and raising money for cancer research, then you should join Colleges Against Cancer. The Relay for Life Committee is dedicated to planning Relay for Life of SVSU and Saginaw County. If you want to join, email cac.svsu at gmail.com for more information. The Relay for Life itself is going on April 24th, 2020 from 2 to 11 p.m. at the SVSU O'Neill Arena. Again, the Relay for Life for SVSU in Saginaw County is taking place on April 24th, 2020 from 2 to 11 p.m. at the SVSU O'Neill Arena. O'Neill Arena. O'Neill Arena. So, and for our second sponsor, we want to say a quick thank you to the International Student Club at SVSU. They are proud to present the 19th Annual Intercultural Night. This event will showcase the talents of SVSU's international and domestic student body through song, dance, a fashion show, and other performances. The show will take place in March 13th in the Rhea Miller Reciter Hall. The Rhea Reciter Miller, yeah, Hall. The Rhea Miller Recital Hall from March 13th from 7 to 10 p.m. Tickets are available for free at Wix 2.30, but seating is limited, so please come while they're still available. Come enjoy the wonders of the world with us. For more information on this event, please contact the International Student Club on all of their social media platforms. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of them. You name them. One more time, that is the Wonders of the World taking place March 13th in the Rhea Miller Recital Hall from 7 to 10 p.m. Thanks again, International Student Club, for sponsoring the Race to the White His House. All right, Connie, we're going to get in some final words here because we had a short spur-of-the-moment show. Um, going over some business, I oh, just wanted can to... Can I ask you a yeah. question, actually, in oh. these final words? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Sure, yeah. Can I yeah. take the lead? Go for it. What do you think it would take for Bloomberg to drop out? Doing terrible on Super Tuesday. I don't think he's a dumb person. I think he knew what he was doing. Um, but he 
is putting all of his eggs in this basket. If you look at all of the media markets, he's went to Michigan, right, mm-hmm. and a couple other states that are after Super Tuesday, but really he has not extended it nationwide that far. So mm-hmm. if he does poorly on Super Tuesday and in Michigan, I don't see him continuing on because at that point he's just encouraging a Bernie Sanders presidency, which, as he's made very clear, is the thing that he wants the least. Um, probably almost as much as a Trump presidency. So uh, Michael Bloomberg is very much going to stay in if he does well. Well, but, he has an office in Flint, I believe. Yeah, he does. Uh, as does Bernie, actually, I found out pretty mm-hmm. recently. Um, so there's all that. And I think he needs to win a couple of these things. Not mm-hmm. just get some delegates. He needs to win a couple if he wants to stay competitive here. I just don't see it happening. Um, I think this was just a huge waste of money to us, but to him it was just a drop in the bucket. So if Bloomberg really, really wanted this, he should have started when everyone else started and not just said, you know what, now I feel like running. Well, his big thing is saying, if I thought that any of these people could win, I, would, I wouldn't be running right now. Well, apparently they're doing better than you in most polls, though, is the thing. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Um, I think, honestly, more than anything, this election run for Michael Bloomberg hurt his political career. I think he kind of, I feel like if he started running at the beginning, people would have not, yeah, they would have torn so, him up since the beginning. Yeah. Um, I think this just really hurt his future candidacy if he had anything in mind, because people just... You know, if you look at favorable versus unfavorable ratings, he's always near the bottom mm-hmm. next to Tulsi. Um, so it's, I don't see what he has to gain from this election run. If he wanted to run, he should have been running in Iowa. Well, Andrew Yang, actually, again, to shout out my boy, he said something very interesting. So when they, he was testing before he ran for president, he was testing the markets in Iowa and New Hampshire mm-hmm. to see if he could make a potential run. And the, the, the results came back terrible. Because he couldn't connect with the people. He just he doesn't get these common folk, which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting. Like, that's why you don't see Bloomberg doing a lot of campaigning. He just does these massive ad buys because he doesn't connect people to people very well, from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to understand the problems of the common man when you're just, like, bathing in coins, you uh-huh. know, um, when you're taking Orbeez baths with dollar bills. It's, a uh, Yeah, it's, like, hard to understand the struggles of putting your kids through school or putting yourself through school when you're... Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg, <laughs> So, um, and one last thing of note. If you search Michael Bloomberg height on Google, it doesn't give you the autofill like it does for everyone else. It doesn't? No, do it right now. If you right. type in Joe Biden height, it'll tell you how tall he is. Mm-hmm. If you type in Michael Bloomberg height, you'll have to go to his wiki to figure it out. It's really funny. Here, we're, gonna, we're testing this out right now. I seen a meme that said it, and I, I searched it myself, and I couldn't find his height. So if I type in Joe Biden height, it says six foot. Bernie Sanders, six foot. Donald Trump is six foot three. Wow, he is a lot taller than I thought. Oh, Michael Bloomberg has claimed he's anywhere from 5'7 to 5'10. But when you search his name, everyone else it autofills. It doesn't mm-hmm. autofill for Michael Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of my nihilistic side says he paid to have that not show. We'll see. I doubt it, but it's. I still think it's funny. Um, Trump said he's 5'4". 
I don't think he's 5'4", but he's certainly not 6. But we're not here to debate whether he's a big, tall man or a moderately short man. That's for that's for all the voters to decide if they care about. That's so weird to me that Joe and Bernie are the same height. I just I mean, 6 was pretty common for guys, though. I, I'm more shocked that Trump is 6'2", actually. 6'3". Six, 6'3". Three. Six, three. He's taller than me. That's pretty surprising. Because when you look at him from a camera, he looks short and portly normally. He looks tall and portly to me. Yeah? I, I don't know. I mean, you're not very tall, though. So? <laughs> Everyone looks tall I'm to you. I'm average. Uh, all right. And on that very average height note, I would like to say thank you, everyone, for listening in. We're going to have a lot of very exciting results be rolling in tonight. And I'm sure next week's show is going to be absolutely wild. We are very likely going to be having a guest, um, Alex Belknap from Eclectic Current, um, another previous show on Cardinal Radio who may be coming back soon. Keep your ears perked up for that one. Um, And I just wanted to say thank you, everybody, for listening in. Uh, And I hope to catch you again next week with a lot of really exciting news, some really exciting results, and uh, the future of American politics directly on the horizon. Thank you very much for listening. I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.